Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Big Mama Hex podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be sitting down with friend and fellow artist, Pensafana Steich artist, um, Kunstler, right, Ben? That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> um, ben Radar, and he is just a wonderful artist. And I'm so excited that we finally made it work where we could get together and have this chat. So welcome, Ben, to Big Mama Hex. Thank you very much, Rachel. It's such a pleasure to have you. Um, we've had the opportunity to get to know you pretty well over the years. Um, Hunter and I have really been immersed in in the in the community for about ten years. Uh, he was a little longer than I, but that's probably about how long we've we've known you online, especially and at different festivals, especially at the Heritage Center, the Pennsylvania German Cultural Heritage Center that is in Kutztown. We've run into you a couple times in your beautiful family and your lovely wife, Sonia. And it's just been such a pleasure getting to know you. And the thing that we both appreciate so much about you, Ben, is that you have a definite, like, um, unique and authentic vision of art and the process that you that you use to make your art. And we just really, really value your work and how um, visionary it is. So welcome. And I also wanted to just start right there. Um, I just really want to hear you talk about your art and um, how you came to to your unique aesthetic. Um, and what I mean by that is it always, to me, felt very Art Nouveau, the style of lettering that you incorporate into the paintings and the materials you use. I'm really interested in that, and my audience, I'm sure, would really appreciate that. Um, but I just love the way you incorporate language as well because it's it's very profound, especially within Pensafanish Deitch art. So we could start there. That would be excellent. Sure. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, the the whole background story in terms of how this whole style came about. I mean, you know, you know how it goes as an artist. You kind of stumble on things by accident a lot, yeah. um, a lot of trial and error. But um, back back when I started painting, I always loved sketching and things like that. When I was young, I was real serious about that. But I'd never kind of went into using color and uh, different mediums. Um, and so I started messing around maybe, I don't know, maybe like 15 years ago at this point. And I just wanted to see if I could do it. And um, it was terrible. You know, my first my first couple years, the work was just, um, you know, I thought it was not bad at the time, but it's, it's uh just a lot of hours, you know, you, you kind of get obsessed with it and you, you keep moving forward. So I was living in New York or living in New Jersey and working in New York at um, art galleries. And I kind of figured that's where you needed to be if you wanted to break into the, the art scene. And I kind of, uh, I just missed the woods, you know, growing up in this area. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I realized is that I didn't have enough, uh, enough money to be a starving artist, which is kind of a weird <laughs> concept, but, um, you know, like when you're living there, everything is super expensive. Mm -hmm. So, um, I came back, uh, came back to, uh, Pennsylvania and, but while I was in, while I was in New York, kind of to keep the connection with Pennsylvania, um, I started doing a lot of hex signs in, in the paintings. And uh, they were very rough and uh, not very finely tuned. 
Um, but I kept moving with that. And that kind of gave me the, like, I loved the, the boundaries. You know, there's a circle, there's hard lines in those. And I loved being able to kind of play with the color between the boundaries. And that kind of went towards more of like a stained glass thing then. Yeah. And at the time I was, um, I was learning Pennsylvania Dutch, like growing up my, my grandmother, you know, she would say phrases here and there, but it's, you know, you know, when you're talking to older Dutch people, there's like three things that they say about the language. (laughs) They say, my parents only spoke it when they didn't want me to know what, what they were saying. Mm -hmm. They say, I understand it more than I speak it. You know, there's the, the typical lines and that was no different in my family. So it kind of skipped a generation. Mm Mm-hmm. So I started just kind of getting books and stuff like that. And uh, I, I already had learned German, uh, was still actively learning it at the time. And so to learn Pennsylvania Dutch better, I started um, putting it in the paintings as a means of kind of becoming more familiar with, with the language. And uh, the stained glass uh, barriers in the stained glass turned into the letters and kind of took it from there so um that's kind of how the style came about but you hit it on the head with the art nouveau i love klimt klimt is one of my favorite favorite artists ever i i loved him when i was young so i love that decorative style but it translates super well with pennsylvania dutch you know fraktur and and a lot of the stuff that that you do um it it really translates into that style big time yeah yeah for sure that's amazing I just remember the first time I saw your work I was like holy fuck like I was just blown (laughs) away like honestly I mean I had been studying like fractor art and you know we see contemporary artists um just keeping the traditional alive in a very traditional way and but I just remember being like blown away because I had come from a like a fine art study background and yeah you know stumbling upon trying to find you know what my aesthetic was and my voice and well when i landed inside hex science and fractor i was like it was like absolute you know putting on glasses where you can see everything in color it was like this amazing yeah very wild like experience for me but then i remember seeing your work first i guess it was online and just being like I know I was in the middle of my graduate studies and I was um, trying to find a way to, um, you know, contemporize some of the things that we had kind of lost along the way, including uh, these really great textiles and things like that. And, you know, these more like um, accessible. You've done that. You've yeah. done that dress. Was that when you did that dress? Or like yes, the, the, the dress. Yeah. Yes, that was grad school. The torture of grad yeah. school. But it's it's some of the best work that I've ever done because you give yourself that time because you're you know you're forcing yourself. It's a very expensive way to just give yourself time to make art. It's so ridiculous, <laughs> but that's basically what it was for me. I mean, I thankfully I learned a lot of design stuff that I couldn't have learned on my own, which was really right. a great takeaway. But I would have never made time to do that. But it was like this really great time in my life of expression and art expression and feeling really empowered by um, these different mediums that I had never connected to before. And then I saw your work in my research and, you know, we had, I guess we had connected online or whatever, but I just remember at the time that I saw your work being in a typography class and just being like, 
oh my god this is like the fucking shit this is like the bomb <laughs> and i gotta That's ask awesome. ben all the questions like it was really profound i remember showing my professor who was who um i think she's like third or second generation german and her last mm-hmm. name's kresge and mm-hmm. her uncle was like he would um I forget if he was a musician or something, but he was very into a fr- like black letter fractor type lockups yeah. and stuff. So she was super supportive. But I remember showing her and she was like, wow. Like we were all just kind of like, it was so funny because the artwork was like out of context within, it wasn't within the community, but there was right. being at Kutztown for grad school for design. I mean, it's so palpable. Like a lot of our students would go over to the Heritage Center and, and do work there and do work with different um, places in town, like, Dietrichs, well, not really in town, but you know, stuff like that. So there was definitely awareness of the community. And that was really important to me um, for building these foundations and these connections. But I just remember, like, literally, Ben just being completely blown away. And I've seen so much artwork in my life. But I was like, Oh, my gosh, this guy really, that's really nice of you. I mean, yeah, like, really, and I mean, it from the bottom of my heart, I was like, blown away. I was like, this is profound. And it was very emotive. Like, I was very emotionally connecting to it and it was just like online it was just like this amazing experience so that's that's key though that connection i mean yes. that's kind of what you're what you're going for is i oh, try yeah. to do it in a way you know like when when i was in in these galleries kind of um mm. hanging people's art and and I, I saw a ton of stuff uh come through our doors i worked for a couple different people there um so the one guy i worked for uh, and they all had like different collections, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I first started, I worked at a gallery called the Newhoff Edelman Gallery mm-hmm. uh, for a woman named Heidi Newhoff. And she had just partnered up with a man named Asher Edelman. And um, back in the day, he was like a, a corporate raider in the 80s. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. real, real hardcore businessman. And he had, he had amassed this uh, incredible collection. But basically... Um, you know, you see all these pieces of art coming through the, through the door and, and a lot of it was just kind of, um, it didn't, it didn't seem beautiful. You know what I mean? It didn't make mm-hmm. you feel nice. Uh, it was, it was the type of, you know, like intellectual stuff, you know, where mm. you sit there and stare and you kind of, <laughs> everyone sees something different. And I really just kind of always wanted to use colors in a way and, and this have the style and like a like a dreamlike style where it just kind of felt nice when you looked at it you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah um and so that's kind of that's kind of the key there but i'm really happy that it reached you on that level it's always interesting to hear you know like when you do markets some people walk right by your tent nothing uh some people will come in and, and express what caught their eye and it's it's always something different and it's always interesting to hear but um but yeah yeah Yeah, it's interesting because well number one I didn't even know you you had spent time in New York that's so fascinating um Hunter I don't know if you realize this I know I've been not around sometimes when you guys have spoken but he spent like 30 years in New York and actually did a lot of like art handling and that's so wild that you have that background because one thing that he that he the, the thing, his takeaway from that time, um, of course, he was there in a different era than us. So it was like kind of really exciting at the beginning. But then towards the end, you know, he always says like 
modern art is just so like boring and it's like so played out and it's like so fucking boring and it's like it spoke so much to me when he and I and we've continued to talk about this in the 10 years we've known each other but like it it just fed me so much in in this like missing longing of of like loving art so much but not understanding really what place it has anymore but the key the missing piece for me was um connection to my culture and that was so profound and blew my mind then and I think that's what evokes so much emotion for me when I saw your work it felt like it felt like seeing it felt like you know um being an immigrant and living in a strange place and not feeling connected for 30 years of my life and then seeing an image of home and like just having this profound experience it was like I felt it wasn't even the actual imagery itself, but it was all of the things my my professor in college in undergrad would say the braids that come together, like all the different things. Right. It was like the the language and then the aesthetic and, and the the way that you that you paint your your brush strokes and things like that. I mean it was so and the the choice of colors, like honestly, as a fellow artist, I was just like totally blown away. Um and I was just really excited to hear you speak about your work and and learn that you are so interested in 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 the culture kind of growing and evolving and you know all of the things um and the artwork yeah so when so i mean this is maybe something that you can relate to as well it's like when you're thinking about art um you know you get that there's that idea of you know, highfalutin people kind of just (laughs) talking about nothing a lot. And that, and that is definitely the case, but I really feel like what's going on in our community right now is really cool because this, this imagery and these, these things that, um, that we put into our pieces, you as well and Hunter and all of us, and we're all doing it in a different way and in a way that speaks to us. But it's just kind of, it just kind of seems like what we're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense, it's like, um, the whole drive is to, is to just create things and, uh, that did not exist before. And I, and I think that, um, the imagery and the canon of all the, of, of our culture really lends well to that. But I come from, you know, my grandmother, um, she was a painter as well. So, I mean, growing up, it just kind of seemed uh, like something you do. You just make stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but the the it's it's interesting just seeing how each of us in the Pennsylvania Dutch community over over the years has kind of taken what's important to us or what translates well for us, and then retranslating that into our work. So it's all different, you know, and and we can all kind of look at each other's stuff and um, it speaks to us in a different way than our own work speaks to us, you know. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's kind of the neat part about it. It's like almost a collaborative effort of, you know, for example, back in mid-century when different Hexine artists would paint the same exact motif, it would always look different because it was like that touch of that person's vision yeah. and their style. And I think that's really interesting and, and amazing for us. And it's also when you get into the community and you do shows and you vend and stuff and you get to talk to people, it's really cool to hear them also have those moments that I had with your work um, when looking yeah, at the work. I think that's them. so important. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's so different than being a fine artist or what I experienced trying to break into it and just feeling like totally like this is not my vibe at all. Um, because you get that connectedness to the folk, which I think is what's so powerful about calling it folk art, because I make it for them. It's almost like in a design aspect where you have like your um, target audience and then you have you know, perhaps somebody that has some ideas about what they want you to make. And it kind of guides the work, which I really like. Because when I want to just rewind real quick. And when you were speaking about, you know, starting to dabble with hex signs and stuff, I entered the same way. And it was really cool because before when I was working in quote unquote fine art like area, uh, I just felt so overwhelmed by the possibilities that it felt really like almost um, paralyzing for me. Like I have definitely ADHD and it was like, oh my gosh, there's just too much openness here. But what yeah. I really loved about hex signs, like when I first started was despite the fact that I'm a very expressive painter, like I liked that it was like contained, like you were talking about it, it was yeah. really cool because it's almost like we kind of went through like ancestral training, right? Because it's like, exactly. we didn't really have much of a choice. It's like, there's a certain way to do this and this is the way it's done. And it's almost like I always talk about this a lot. Like when I talk about my work, it's like in the beginning, my hands were sort of like clumsy and just like fumbling yeah, around and trying yeah. to figure it all out. Right. But then at a certain yeah. point, and I've talked to Ivan Hoyt about this a lot because you almost create your own vocabulary and it becomes so it's like writing your alphabet, right? When you're a kid, yeah, it becomes exactly. so much a part of what your hands do. And I think that's the most beautiful part of probably if, if your process is similar, because I, I really feel like so mostly ever, connected to the ancestors in those moments of creating this work that I'm like, why is my hand doing this? Cause I have no idea what I'm doing, but clearly right. like something's working here. So it definitely feels, I love the way you, you said, you said that it feels almost like a vessel for like the work that needs to continue to be done. Not the work that they did, but like the continuation of this work exactly. and the exactly. evolution. I love that yeah. so much, Ben. I'm, I'm definitely going to cry here. It's <laughs> <That was> beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Well, if if you cry, I can't hand you a tissue. We're not it's in the fine. same I don't, room. I'm not a tissue girl. I'm just like, okay, a... <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> just get it out of there. Right. Yeah. I mean like you know, in that I process, it's, it's really powerful. So, Hey, you know what? <laughs> You're right about that. And I tell my wife all the time, it's like sometimes, <laughs> you know, I mean, growing up in the Pennsylvania Dutch community, you, uh, oh, Lord, you know, yes. there, there's no crying in baseball. You know what I mean? No, but, there's uh, not. That's right. Having a good cry every now and then is not the worst thing in the world. Definitely makes you feel a little a little lighter on your well, feet. Well, it's the oxytocin. You know, yeah. it's such a high afterwards. It's really good stuff. Why don't we I'm just spend it. this podcast crying the Let's entire do it, time? Ben, I'm so Let's into just it. Let it out. Let's just. I just want to hear all the things. Let's just like dive into one of your paintings. Do you remember and that? Cry. That yeah. Do you remember that movie? Um. Oh shit. It was Robin Williams. And I just remember this scene and it's like imprinted in my brain. Cause the thing about me too, is I'm a hundred percent, not a scholar. Like I always enter through aesthetics. Me like either. Yeah, I, me either. I vibrated with your aesthetic right away. It wasn't like, I didn't need to know the story behind it. I don't give a shit. Like I just was like, Oh my God, this is fucking amazing. I need to like see all of his work and just like in, you know, like absorb it and like reflect on the aesthetic. You know, that's like an aesthetic response thing. And I think a lot of people, want to know so much about art and it kind of makes me nuts. Like I hated doing like, um, what are they called? Artist statements because I almost feel like, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know what just, to, like, what, I don't know what I'm talking right? about. I know. I know? literally am so full of shit on them, especially Ben with like exactly. hex signs. I'm just like, you know, we're getting all the questions like, well, what does this mean? And I'm like, right. and I literally say to people like, well, 
when I'm painting it, I have a certain intention and what it means to me, but it really matters what you're, and I literally say like an art teacher that I am, what is your aesthetic response? It needs to mean something to you. Like you need to connect. People don't know. People don't know. They feel like they can't trust their, yeah, they feel like they can't trust themselves then. They want to be told because they don't feel like they can own an aesthetic response because they're not an artist. Like I can only draw stick figures, they say. And I'm like, that doesn't mean you can't, like it's so powerful to allow yourself that freedom to just like really, it's almost like meditation. Like you meditate on this, you know, well, 100%. It's definitely like meditation, but um, yeah, I'd love so, to hear more about what you think about that. Well, Let's get the so tears going. <laughs> when people, I mean, like you said, I mean, if you're doing this type of, of work, especially with the hex signs, you get a lot of people asking, so what does this one mean? And what does this one mean? And all that kind of stuff. And the response that I always give people is, these images, the only way I can describe them is they are the most important thing in the world, but they also mean absolutely nothing. So, you know, kind of take like it either resonates or it doesn't. I can't tell you like it's not like you look at one and you say, well, this is for, you know, put this uh, up on your house and it's good luck or whatever. It might be that, uh, you know, it might be that that's what it is. But it's not like that's written in a book somewhere that there, there's a one-to-one ratio of this means this, this means this. Um, at least for me, it's kind of just like these symbols are so important and I can't tell you what they mean, you know? Um, and so, especially cause you know, a lot of times I'll have conversations. I mean, I, I've never done the Kutztown Folk Festival, for example, right? So at that spot, and you, you've done that many years, and so that's a spot where there's a lot of Dutch people there. You know, that's a very uh, Pennsylvania Dutch area. And a lot of times um, when I'm doing shows, I'm not talking to Dutch people. I'm talking to people that are, they don't know what they're looking at. You know what I mean? And they want to ascribe a specific meaning to certain symbols and this and that. Um but yeah, at the end of the day, it's kind of just whatever speaks speaks to that person on on their level, I guess. I mean, I know what it means to me, but it might not mean the same thing to others, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's really interesting and very good point because sometimes when we'll do, well, I just, I started selling at a shop in Vermont and, and I was very curious, the shop owner and I just had a conversation um, because he's he's also Welsh and it's like a Welsh curiosity shop mm-hmm. and it's so funny because I'm Welsh too and I didn't realize like I'm super duper Welsh and so like yeah, you I think the, that's uh, where that's where the emotion you do like come ancestry from. <laughs> yeah I did. yeah I yeah. did and it was something important to me because I didn't really grow up like my parents were super like hippies and like they didn't really identify with anything except just like being just a free, being. yeah. And like, they were like all about supporting me as an artist and being a free person. But like I said before, I felt that was so much missing from like my expression in art. And I felt really lost until I found that connectedness. But it's so interesting. Cause I think, um, I also am German American on my dad's side. And I think just the difference between like German American experience from me and my familial experience, not everybody, of course, and Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, it's, I feel like they're a little more fun. I don't know. It could just be me, but there's more like, I don't know. There's just, and and I don't know if like the Pennsylvania Dutch were just hardened because of, you know, things that happened when they were settling and like generational trauma, I could call it, but 
you know what I mean? Like it was just, I'll um, tell you this. So I, me, I, ben, I spoke you've been a, on both ends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say a hundred percent that I agree that the German American experience is something completely different from Pennsylvania Dutch and just culture wise and just kind of how people are. And you're right. Like, so just an anecdote about the, uh, about the humor aspect. I spoke at a, I was a speaker at a groundhog lodge a couple years back. Like the one that I'm, I'm on the rod in Polk township here. And, uh, I just wanted to see if I could do it. You know what I mean? Right. There's sure. never a young person kind of getting up and telling those jokes. And I remember <laughs> I got up and it was just a dead room. I mean, people staring at me as I'm telling these <laughs> jokes and she's like, all right, move along. You know, it was so awkward. Ugh. And the, the reaction of people afterwards uh, was basically like, eh, we've heard those jokes before. You know what I mean? We wanted something fresh. It's like, you know, I mean, come on, how many new Pennsylvania Dutch jokes are, are there going to be really? <laughs> but, um, but the, there's no, there's no give. Like they mm. expected uh, an older guy to get up and and tell. I mean, if if he had said the same jokes that they always say too, it would have been hilarious. Oh, but 100%. you know, they don't 100%. like. They're not really into things changing too much, and or you know, I'm any new guy. blood at all. Yeah, like oh, no, 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 no new no. blood. No, 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 no. <laughs> nothing like that. But then again, it's like then you hear them at the same at the same time say. Um, you know, young people don't speak Dutch. It's, it's shameful. And it's like, but you guys were responsible for raising yes. us and teaching us. And Fuck so, yes. you know, it's like, what do you, yeah. you can't have it both ways, but, no. um, but anyhow, yeah, the cult, the Pennsylvania Dutch culture, uh, I think there's a lot of humor in it, but it's a very dry humor and, um, a lot of sarcasm and stuff like that. And yeah. very kind of. You know, like as I get older, I want quiet. I want, I want to be left alone. And I think in the Dutch community, there's a lot of I just want to be left alone type sentiment. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so we we crawl back into our shells and just kind of stop taking part in the in the outside world. I guess so. Very very um, inside our own head type people. I'd say. Yeah, I think that's so profound and true. I mean, it's really interesting because the thing about the Folk Fest that's really unique that I personally like, because I do, like, I'm a very sensitive person. I'm like an Aquarius and just like a highly sensitive person or whatever. So it's really difficult sometimes to take um, the, the like drive-by comments a lot when we first started to like, for instance, you know, I paint the Wassernix, which is like a motif they didn't call it, I don't really know what the hell they called it, but they called it the, like the mermaid motif. Like it was on right. all the chests and stuff. It's been around forever, right? Long time. Um, I, yeah, uh, and it's and like in a Germany. Side note, I yeah. went to Blautopf in Germany and I remember yes. like this was right when I started becoming familiar with your work and I knew those pieces. I was like, boom, there it is. Yep, you know? exactly. Isn't that amazing? Well, I have a friend yeah. over there, Patrick Feltz, Feltis. I don't know. I say his name wrong, but he's really incredible. He's over in... um. Frank, oh, Franconia. Uh, anyway, he's over there. He's near the. He's palace. over there. He's over he's there. You know? Yeah. No, he's like I don't. You know, forget it. I am not geography now. But anyway, he's amazing. <laughs> he's in an area. Um, 
he's in that area called Germany. Now yeah. it's called Germany. Um, no, but he'll send me pictures and there's like, and so for him, it was like mezzanine. And for us, like I've been trying to decode it, but I certainly got to a point where I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to accept it. It was something they wanted to use. Who gives a fuck why? It's yeah. fucking awesome. It's grotesque and amazing sometimes. And I just picked the hell out of Candace's brain over at the Schrankfelder. And she's mm-hmm. like, I think they just liked it. They just liked it. And maybe it was from Germany that they brought it and they just liked it. And I was like, cool, let's just accept it as it is. But I get like a lot of comments because people are so like ignorant and not by their own fault, just like you said, you know, the generations before didn't share these things. And, you know, then you have the huge wave of like conservative Christians coming in and making it very different. Like when my grandmother was growing up in the twenties and thirties, powwow was just a thing that happened parallel to their their Christian beliefs. Right. So then you get into like our sort of our era and it became really conservative and there was a huge shift in like what was like acceptable practices and which is which is odd because you would think that like the that attitude would kind of loosen up over time but totally like my my um my great grandfather on my so my dad's mother's grandfather i guess that would be great great grandfather i don't don't know whatever that's but um right yeah yeah i think we could we could do the math here but uh he was geography um, and genealogy forget it we're just terrible we're terrible we don't know awful artists we're just like let's just cry what are you gonna do (laughs) but he was a he was a broker and um when he passed away my grandmother told me that um her sister like or you know aunts or something burned all of his handwritten books and documents and stuff you know all of his records on went over to this barn and you know treated this horse or like whatever it was in those books and they said it was because it's um this is the work of the devil you -hmm. know what i mean can Mm -hmm. you imagine the value in reading those books and the information in those books at this point just kind of seeing what was going on i mean it would be incredible and just gone because uh bad bad news i guess in those books but not really you know that sucks too because i almost feel like it's not getting any better it's kind of getting worse like i feel concerned like as a pagan identifying person just identifying that way and it's really it's a little bit scary of a time and though i have so many friends and family members that are wonderful christians and you know but it's just it's such a strange time well, Rachel, I would put I would put it to you like this. I guess nothing's changed in a yeah. thousand years with yes. with pagans being worried that they will be honestly overcome by the other side. But uh yeah, I mean it's um I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people our age you see it in the the art that's being produced and I mean mm-hmm. there's a big fresh take on a yes. lot of stuff in our culture going on right now uh, a lot of people are are kind of dipping their foot in the water and there's a lot of talented people that kind of lend their own you know they lend their talents to to whatever aspect of contribution to the culture that they can and i think uh i think people are very open-minded and they understand that a lot of this stuff that we're doing is a very spiritual thing and so to each person that might translate differently but um at the end of the day these are very 
spiritual things that we're dealing with um, yes. in terms of the imagery and, and kind of the connection to the ancestors and all that kind of stuff. So it can't be avoided. Yeah, for sure. It's very, very important to note that. That's very important to note. Um, like we mentioned when I had, you know, the response to your to your work, it wasn't just the visual. It was like a whole entire like nostalgia, but from a place that I didn't actually know. It was like a connection. Like it was a string pulling me back into, um, right. you know, our culture. But it's so fascinating to mention that because there's a man named Alexander Ames, who's a wonderful scholar. Um, he he's in Delaware. No, I think he's in Philadelphia now. Anyway, he wrote a book called um, The Word in the Wilderness. And he did a lot of work at the same time I was in grad school. He was in grad school too, working at the Schwenkfelder and sort of having a very new and fresh perspective on Fractor art and Forscrift. And I really value his perspective because he talks about it like... It, so my question has always been, Ben, you know how frugal and smart with our time and work ethic our people are why did they make the time to make this artwork and his answer to this which i really think makes sense to me is it was a devotional and frankly that's what my work is too but instead of being a devotional to jesus and god in that way it's more a devotional to our ancestors and 100 percent and yeah, for me, 100%. Connect, yeah, exactly. So I, I love that perspective. I haven't read every single scholarly work on um, Proctor because, frankly, I fall asleep. I am not for it. <laughs> like, it's not for me. But Boring. I do know, generally, like speaking, the scholars like lose me immediately, basically, except for I love Frances Lichten because she was also an artist. See, that's the key for me. Yeah. Um, and also Patrick, of course, is an artist as well. So his perspective is always taking that into account, the aesthetics and all these important facets of absorbing the art, not just like picking it apart visually. But um, I loved this 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 take on the work because it made sense to me then because they were so deeply, deeply committed to their, to their, um, to their spiritual beliefs. And in fact, when, when I was working at the Schwenkfelder, I found that they weren't bringing in their trunks, what we would bring in our trunks. They were bringing mm -hmm. books and they were bringing these devotional kind of pieces. Um, not so much the fractor, but just like notes and notes and notes and handwritten Bibles and, and, and things like this were so important and valuable to them. So I almost feel like, in the evolution of this style and and sort of uh, niche of work, you can see that through all of it. And you see these younger, or not younger, but newer artists and, and their call to connection to this is kind of similar to what we're talking about, which is really, really beautiful to see and really just makes me so excited and makes me feel like, you know, you know sometimes it can be really challenging to be, um, you know, dealing with the public a lot or, or doing like the shows and stuff, but it really keeps me connected to see, um, the efforts sort of finding their way and giving other people this, this empowerment and freedom to also feel like, like they're not only allowed to access this kind of exploration, but also they deserve to be here and, and they're welcome. And it makes me really yeah. happy to be part of that, um, that narrative, which is kind of, and, and, you know, both of us can appreciate that the people at the Grunsa Lodges and of that generation that didn't speak the language, like we all kind of know the historical reasons for why it became that. Sure, sure. That situation. And we can all feel like we can understand that and empathetic. But I still think you're 100 percent right that like at a certain point, there is almost seemingly no accountability. And it's just like this excuse where, you know, you know, they didn't want the kids to be 
judged called or have it, called prejudice. a dumb Dutch or whatever. And, yeah, but and my grandmother was, and so it didn't really shield her anyway. And here well, we lost. About, we lost so what much about language. The, like, what about the value of saying, "Who cares? Uh, Fuck yeah! Don't don't be worried about being who you are." That's I right. mean, I get it. It's like. I get it. You know, if if you're if it's very easy now to say looking back, right? But yeah, it is. And so, like when they were coming up, things were changing really rapidly. And um, if you were worried, like, hey, my kid's not going to be employable when they get older unless they speak English. So I get it. Oh, totally. Now looking back, it wouldn't be the worst thing to say, um, hey you know, this, this kind of got jacked up back there. What are we going to do to remedy that rather than just being like, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? I guess, I guess we're done with the language. It's. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing in my family, personally, it happened that way where it was, you know, a concern about, and you know, I, I've spoken about this so many times, my grandmother, which it already was amazing that she went to college, but she was put in like a speech clinic at Westchester and made fun of by like all the people from Philadelphia, she'd say. Um, that's so crazy. You it's know, so that's crazy to me. Ago. And that's the thing, Ben, as a teacher, like when I was starting to teach, so I started teaching in 2011, right? Yeah. ESL was a thing. It was like established. It was like supporting English as a second language and English as a second language learners, right? But I think the neat thing about like my experience, at least having not been so immersed in Berks County, like my whole life and kind of coming in, And, you know, with this excitement, because I hadn't been through all this for my whole upbringing, you know, this kind of push and pull, but um, I got to experience other cultures. Like when I was in school, I took community arts class with a man named Pepona Sorio. And we like immersed ourselves in little Bodico, it's called in in Philadelphia. And it's like the little, it's like, it's like Puerto Rico neighborhood. And you're like immersed in Puerto Rican culture. Like it's almost like being in Puerto Rico. And it's kind of. It was really cool for me, but this is the profound moment for me before I even met Hunter, where we're sitting around the table and, and we're asking to share things about our heritage and culture. And I'm just like, um, literally, I there were subtle things now that I look back, you know, you can look back and see subtle things, but there was no overt like celebration or pride in who we were, period. All, yeah. all sides of me, there was none for like, you know, the Pennsylvania Dutch, for the Welsh. I guess we're Scottish. I didn't even know. And my dad said we're Swedish. He knew the whole time. I like had no idea. So it's like really hard to like navigate that even with just my parents. But then with, with the previous generations, I think for me, what triggers me and I get angry is like when they talk about, they didn't want the kids to understand them. And that was so selfish in my mind because now we're parents, right, Ben? And like, I'm like, what the actual fuck? Like, I know I'm like a super hippie, crunchy attachment parent, but like, what was so valuable and important you couldn't just step into another room instead of well, ch- stealing check, this from the kids? Check this out. So there's a, a silver lining to all that. And it's, you know, so um, kind of related to the story you were telling about how when it came time to express what's important in your culture, it's kind of, it, it wasn't, you know, on the same level. I mean, they could express it because they were immersed in it and it was going on all the time. And that kind of woke you up to that you know, questioning that maybe. And when I was, when I was young, um, in this area, I mean, everyone is Pennsylvania Dutch. It's just normal. Like, yeah. you know, I live near the West end, you know, so I, I'm still Iva Barrio, like someone from over the mountain, cause we're from Bethlehem living in this area. But, um, so it was just normal. I mean, like a lot of the words we said growing up and, and this and that, 
I thought everyone said them and everyone did these things. And I knew I was, my grandmother talked about being Pennsylvania Dutch a lot and she painted hex signs. You know, she has a clock with hex signs all over it that she made. And she did a lot of Dutch stuff. We have Easter eggs from my great grandmother that she always wrote like a, um, like a little phrase in completely uh, phonetic writing. So no, actual spelling uh like grammatically correct spelling on these eggs so there's one in, sitting in front of me right now and it says englina bus uh englina bus macht uh macht vieles auch gut so like a small kiss makes a lot of stuff better basically is what i think she was trying to say and so she would write these uh little messages on the eggs and in any case i when i was about 12 we switched schools and I went to a little school in Rosetto, Pennsylvania. And in Rosetto, Pennsylvania, it's literally all people um, from Rosetto, Italy. I mean, it's this tiny insular community. And I was like the only non-Italian kid there. And so all of a sudden, after everyone kind of everyone being Dutch, uh, now I'm the odd man out. And, um, and it made me go like, all right, well, who, what is, what does it mean to be Dutch? These people all know what it means to be, um, of Italian, you know, Italian American, and they have their culture. I remember the moms of my friends when I would, the first times I would go over to their houses, they'd give you a big hug. And I was just, I just remember like, kind of like squirming around, like uh, hugging me, like a hug. <laughs> Like I, I'd never been hugged by by people's parents, who, but that was totally normal. So that yes. was kind of the point where I started thinking, like, okay, what's Dutch? You know, and, and these words that we say, like these people are not the, these are not English words. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother always said, like Celestevake when we were growing up, like that's the way it goes. You know, Celestevake. Yeah. I thought everyone said stuff like that, or you know, even Gesundheit. You know, they'd say, bless yeah. you. It's kind of yeah. like, so um, there is a point where you confront those things and then uh, you either choose to explore it a little bit. But just like we say, you know, why didn't they kind of take a little bit of responsibility in their generation? I think that also uh, we don't get that excuse either. Mm. We either choose to kind of go down that path and learn or you know and take responsibility for it on our own and kind of get what it get from it what we would like uh to get out of it or we don't you know so it's pretty cut and dry um in terms of that you, you choose to kind of immerse yourself or learn a little bit or whatever whatever you want to do or nothing at all and then it just kind of goes away yeah i actually a couple things number one i'm so glad you brought up rosetta is it mm-hmm Yes. Yep. Um, because I actually grew up this, this kind of all started kind of swirling around for me very prior to that, that conversation in the, um, the shop in, in the little Boricua, because I actually mm -hmm. grew up in a very Italian little town and Irish. So it was like super Italian, super Irish. And I swear I was the only German person for like miles You're and miles. Kind of like a, it a weirdo. I was such a weirdo, and that's like the story of my life. And it's it's like this notion of radical acceptance. And I love where this conversation is going because I love what you just said. Because I think that it's so fascinating. Because through my framework, I've grown up with these people that just like you are super aware and super proud. And we had like Italian Day. We had 
we had um, Celtic Day, or I don't know what they called it. And then we had like Puerto Rican Day and we had African American Day in our little town of Bristol. It was like a thousand people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was like a very small town, maybe more than a thousand. But um, I think I was so like immersed in other people's connection to their cultures. And I think yeah. that's what made me feel so, so extremely othered. But when you think of it, what you just mentioned is it is a choice at the end of the day. And maybe Pennsylvania Deutsch and German people in general are just not as overtly expressive expressive of their pride right but then they're sitting and doing these amazing works of art these devotionals right so we have that that like other cultures may not have here in america and the radical acceptance comes in where it's really actually my issue with you know this attachment to the pain of not having that connection but that's just my experience so mm -hmm. i think what you're saying is really interesting because you get to have a choice as well and you know does does the does the group sitting in a grunsel lodge and not all of them are like this i i really don't want to say that because i've met amazing grunsel lodge members that are very supportive sure. and wanted to really help me in teaching the younger yunga i never say it right um you but, said it just fine oh well thank you so just much i've been fine. practicing so long there you go <laughs> um <laughs> but it's so interesting because you know they get to have that they get to have that right and that's what's so beautiful about our country i don't want to get all like weepy about it but you know we've all come here at the end of the day you know for freedom whether it be religious freedom which many of our ancestors did but that is their right and the radical acceptance of you know we're never going to change the way they feel but like we can also like be doing this work in the ways that we can and it doesn't need to either be approved by them or have their blessing but it also doesn't need to be um taking anything away from them. And I think that's a really important lesson that I've come to like in, yeah. in this, in this exploration and journey, you know, I kind of went through the, the, the anger and frustration that our that my family um, didn't have more connectedness to this. And now I'm coming around to the radical acceptance and sort of like, where do we go from here? So Ben, I want to ask you, sir, at this moment, yes. we're 47 minutes in, um, where do you think we go from here? What, what is your vision now that you said about 15 years you've been doing this work? Um, mm -hmm. you, you're, you mentioned you've seen people um, starting to explore this work as well, sort of like the stories that we're talking about with our own experiences. Where do you see, where do you see us right now? What is your general outlook on how things are going? I feel really positive and hopeful. Um, but what do you see... Um, that it is exciting you right now. Anything. It could be anything within the within I don't get the excited culture. by anything at all. I'm, <laughs> I mean, listen to the way I talk, you know. I'm very just kind of on the same level all the time, you know. And I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not even kidding about that. No, I, I'm just I, laughing I, because I don't really either, actually. It's like, I don't know. I'm just kind of floating around. And, I'm and not excited about things. anything right now. Actually, <laughs> I was totally full of shit. I've actually completely given up. I'm like somebody else yeah, needs it. Like, let me pass this torch. Uh, you know, I've done. <laughs> We're done. I've done my time. Like, let me just watch it all happen now. I'm gonna sit back and just keep doing my shit. There you go. You know, here's here's how I feel about it. And and this this is the honest answer. So like, I do think uh, what's going on right now is super interesting. Uh, because like over the past 10 years or so, I mean, you've really seen people come in to their work, you know, like it starts here and then now people are very defined in their work at this point, I think, and just getting more and more defined as we go on. 
But um, I really feel like what I'm doing is, and this kind of ties into what you were saying before about people making that choice, like this, we're not making these things with the intent, like uh, you got to like this, or you got to look at this and say, okay, that belongs in this Dutch category, or it doesn't or whatever. I just, um, I would do this whether anyone was paying attention or not. I mean, I love, um, I love making things. And a lot of the process is sometimes I'll sit in my chair in my studio for two weeks and I'll look at a canvas and I'm like halfway done and nothing is coming at all. Um, because I'm not, uh, I'm not actively trying to put stuff down it's just when you get that message from from the ether or whatever you pop it onto the canvas and that's that but i i love that process and so at the end of the day um i'm making things that um this is me you know what i mean like when you look at one of the paintings it's just what's coming out um it's and so then it exists and so further down the line I think what we're doing is creating a body of work that people can look back on in like 50 years and say, look at the Dutch community. There was still new stuff being produced at that point. The culture was still very much alive um, and, and continuing to develop. It was not stagnant. You know what I mean? So we're living uh, currently and producing work currently um, that keeps the culture from becoming stagnant and, and a thing of the past where, you know, where the only reference to it is like, yeah, they used to farm and they wore bonnets and, and, uh, clothes from the 1800s. You know, this is new stuff being created that will then exist. Uh, if we didn't do it, it wouldn't exist. So we're just kind of, I don't know, for me, I'm, I'm doing it cause I feel like it's just what I'm supposed to be doing you know, and that's, that's just trying to con contribute, I guess. But I, I think where it's going is I think you'll start to see, um, in, in a healthy, in a healthy creative community, what you'll eventually start seeing is even more, um, even more shoots coming out of the stump. You know what I mean? And it'll continue to, have new things that you look at and be like, well, I don't think this is part of, of what we're doing over here, but, uh, but it is, it's all gonna, it's all gonna keep changing. And, and I think that's great. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to just continuing to develop, um, develop what I'm doing here and kind of hone my skills further. But at the end of the day, I just want to create a body of work and, and then I'm gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Rachel, how do you, how do you feel about where we're going? I feel really lost. I love your answer because it makes me feel radically accepted by like feeling fucking lost, dude. 
Because, like, honestly, <laughs> I've lost, never, I mean... like, yeah, like, I've been just floating around being othered and feeling like that's where I belong. Like, I'm just fucking over here being the fucking weirdo German. I mean, I <laughs> my whole experience in life has been, like, I got along with everybody in high school, but I was never really, really close to anybody, and that's kind of been yeah. my deal. So this experience in the last 10 years has been very different for me and a little bit, frankly, like, overwhelming at times because I don't like having the responsibility Sometimes it comes with being very active in in a in a current and contemporary like happening right now community, mm-hmm. um, and I'm stepping back from that a little bit. So I love your answer because I think um, it's and that's okay. It's like it's we totally see the, okay. we, we see the shoots coming out, and I'm like really proud of 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 that and and of all the work that like sort of like our. I guess like there's kind of this group of people in our community that have kind of been doing this for like 10 plus years and that's sort of like our almost like our generation kind of or whatever within the community context and i feel um you know i'm I'm a very introverted person so this has been really different and difficult at times to be very extroverted in public situations so i'm like i'm feeling like dude i'm like ben just gave me permission to just step back a little bit and do my oh yeah i feel i'll tell you what give me that permission it's well, I, it's not even mine kidding. to give. But I'm it's, just kidding. It's, it's okay, Rachel. You're allowed. <laughs> you're allowed you so now. Thank I you grant fine. that unto you. Thank but you, Master no, Ben. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. No, it's like, I mean, uh, at the end of the day. So I'm like, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I'm not. I'm not a marketer. Mm. I'm not good at saying this is this is the uh, this is the significance of my work right. in this place. Uh, who who cares? You know, I love making this stuff. I'm going to do it. And um, if people see it, that's like anything that I've ever done has kind of my grandfather always said, like, it's not about seeking things out. Mm. It's about being ready when the opportunity comes to you. And so it's kind of just like I'm doing what I do. And if something if an opportunity arises, I'm always ready to hop on it. Yeah, but I'm not into kind of like pushing myself out there. I don't, I don't, right. I don't want to do it, and like it's exhausting. You know, I'm an introvert yes. too. Yes. So I would, I would feel inauthentic if I was out there just kind of actively promoting all the time. But I love, you know, you get these opportunities and you keep racking them up, and at, and then you're somewhere that you weren't before. So, you know. yeah. And I think just like honoring times of rest and reflection, because, you know, it's, it's really like a you know, it's like cyclical where you have to recycle that energy and get re-inspired to keep doing the work. And I think that's what I've been seeing, like sitting back a bit and just like observing how much momentum there is now with like newer people getting plugged in and feeling free to, and feeling, I think the biggest thing for me that I faced, like when I was trying to break in or um, sort of get you know even just gain knowledge or like speak with people is um is sort of some some rejection in some areas just because i was different and i was from outside and they kind of could see it right away um outside of growing up in the community um but seeing that that newer folks that are that are plugging into it don't feel that sort of makes me feel really proud that you know maybe i had some hand in 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 helping to establish Rachel- that it it builds character. That rejection builds character, you know? <laughs> so it's not the worst thing. Yeah. Listen, that is so on point, Ben, because, you know, my brother and I have had a, a, 
a disagreement that's led to us not speaking anymore. And his last words to me, check this out, was, I hope despite all of your failures that your children can thrive or those children, he said. And I was like, fuck you, dude. Because for real, Ben, I love what you just said because my failures are exactly why I've had any success. Because you're supposed to fail. Dude, it is all what it is. Life is learning. You become a better person every day from your experiences. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I thought to myself, well, clearly, like I sat back and I thought, well, clearly we have a very difference of opinion on what failure is and how it serves us because it it builds resiliency. And you're so absolutely right. And I would not be that, you know, Hunter's my third marriage. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have met him. We wouldn't have built this beautiful life. had I decided that I didn't want to fail. So I'm like all in on failure and like, lest us be the people that say, you know, you know, we're perfect and absolutely not. I love that. That's so fucking true. And it's like, you're not defined by failure. You've failed, in, you know, we've all failed, but you don't define yourself with that. You know That's what I mean? Right, so sir. it's all good. Yep. All good. Hell fucking yes. I love it. Dude, I feel like we're the foves and we're sitting around in a cafe and like, they didn't have to give artist statements. They were like wild beasts. Like this is what we do and let's move on. Yeah. So I think I've put myself in that you know, it's just like conditioning with like going through school to become a teacher and like a certain culture in my family that's conditioned me to always have to have an explanation for everything I do. But thank you for the past and giving me the opportunity to say, yeah, like, fuck it. No, I'm just kidding. Ben. I'm all about no. <laughs> giving people a pass to say, thank fuck you. it. I love, I love that pass. You, you know? see how I'm <laughs> such a seeker of like, um, permission. So I'm not going to ask permission. I'm just like, fuck it. Don't ask. Know? Who cares? <laughs> do whatever you want to do. You oh know? my gosh. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And I had all these notes, but I knew that it would just flow because we're fucking artists and like, we don't need to have, you know, the constraints of different topics. But one thing that I do want to touch on before we go is um you did a series and i remember you discuss like you talking to me about it because you asked if you could paint me and i was fascinated by the by the by the inspiration for the series so is hemet kunst originals can you kind of talk to me about that and is it still going on and um i loved your original concept for it so if you could speak about that so hey hey kunst started like man way back i think the first one was a painting of a barn and that's when um i kind of brought together the stained glass the language and images of pennsylvania it developed into like this portrait series that i'm doing which is still going on right now i'm painting doug uh maddenford yes and um i am painting him it just kind of like just thinking about doug you know you're ready to paint when you're ready to paint and so in thinking about him I'm painting him as Martin Luther walking into worms oh. in the morning about to tell the Catholic church that uh, they can shove it. You know what oh I mean? Oh my God, that's epic. And, yes. Because like, so that's Doug. Doug. That's it's so Doug. So Doug. Oh my and gosh. so, uh, you know, just a smile on his face, ready to go. Yes. But, um, so the, but these are all people, the, the people that I'm painting, and this is what I mean. It's like, it's not like I can go out and, uh, market this this body of work by saying uh, uh, that that it would appeal to a broad audience because these are specific individuals. Um, you know, it markets like uh, selling a picture of an individual is pretty tough. I mean, Hunter's yeah. painting sold to a, a guy who he wanted to hang it in his office because it was like a power piece. You know what I mean? 
Um, but other than that, the individual themselves, they might not connect to that person, but having all of this documented, these are the people right now that are Pennsylvania Dutch. They're part of the community. They are, they are creating things and doing things for the community that will ensure that it, that it's remains relevant. You know what I mean? Yes. And so the people that I'm painting are important, um, currently to the community uh for their own reasons and for their own talents so um there's a couple more people i had in mind um to do but uh thus far i've done uh you hunter working on doug patrick um did herbert did uh and then did carson yes um, you know which was his face was so hard oh i know i felt it when you were working on it i was like oh my god i know dude i was like right there with you i was like i know what you're going through right now i know it's tricky right it's crazy because every picture you i mean depending on the angle yes and um and the the dumb thing i did which is is why uh why i think it was so hard is the picture i was looking from just composition wise i i mirror imaged it and you can't do that with a face, like a face looking at it from my perspective, looking at the left side of their face, you can't flip it and have them look like the same person. So that was, that was foolish, but I'm a fool. So what are you going to do? <laughs> no, you're a phobe. You're a wild beast and you there move on. There we yeah. Go. Yeah. There we go. But yeah, so that's, that is the, um, that is the series, but with, with each person, I try to kind of paint, um, I try to paint like it sounds so uh, silly, but just, you know, what is the aura when I think of that person? Yeah. When when I look at their work or their contribution, what headspace are they in when they create it and then try to try to replicate that? But um, so for the for instance, the picture of you, um, it's it's Frau Halle right before. Uh, the winter comes, you know, so she's yeah. kind of basking in, in the last uh, warmth of autumn uh, before she's got to do her job. Yes. But um, just that look of contentment, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And just chilled uh, basking in that in that glow of the sun there. So um, just peaceful, you know? Yes. Yeah. And what I loved about your process too, Ben, is you didn't even ask me and you just like, I mean, you were, you were so in tune with, it was just like, holy shit. And like what you just said about Doug and like Hunter's piece and Herbert and, and Patrick and all of, all of these things. And you've, I know you, you also did a piece of Mountain Mary for the upcoming exhibit that's been online for a while. And that was really, really very cool too. And it just, you have this gift to encompass not just physically your your technique is wonderful and it looks just so beautiful but also just the aura of someone and and the the expression of who they are when you meet them you feel it in your painting it's a really wild experience to um to to interact with your work and i i got to do that at the um exhibition but i hope to do it again soon um yeah speaking of which can you tell us i know that we're both in the mountain mary exhibit that will be opening um, November 16th at the, at the heritage center. And I'll put the links for that 
in the show notes. Um, is there any other way that people can see your work in person? And um, also, I will link your wonderful website for people to be able to purchase your work. But if you could just talk about ways in which people can connect with you and see what you're up to and follow your process, because I know you show a lot on um, Instagram stories. Is that a good yeah. place? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, if you go to, uh, so my website is benjaminrader.com. And on the website, there's links to social media and stuff like that. So on Instagram, that's kind of where all of the updates and kind of um, new work or the, the process, uh, progress shots and all that, that's where I post that. Um, as we all know, like your, your actual website has become far less relevant than social media these yes. days. So it's like... But Instagram is probably the best spot to, yeah. to check it out. But if you go to BenjaminRader.com, you can find the links there. Okay, awesome. And I'll also link your Instagram and Facebook. Of course, Facebook is basically useless these days. But I love Instagram too. You know why, Ben? What's because that? it's visually based and I don't need yeah. to talk a lot. It's my favorite. Exactly. I love exactly. it. And people love yep. to watch you in process. And I love watching you in process. And we spent this whole time and we've come to an end of our podcast, but we didn't get to talk about your music. You're also a brilliant musician and also contemporary musician. And your music is very, very different from what you think of when you hear Pennsylvania Dutch music. Yeah, a little and bit. Little yeah, bit. we really appreciate that. Um so much we got what did you did you perform at the folk fest because we got to hear some more um no i, I haven't I did, I did like um a couple shows over in germany a few yes. years back yes um like the year right before the pandemic hit and so the plan was to kind of go back and do more shows but then obviously that got that got um railroaded and uh yeah. i've played it you know um Heyman fest i did last year this year, Patrick invited me back, but I don't like playing music unless I feel 100% prepared that I'm going to do a good job and that I got everything right. together. And so with any creative endeavor, it's like you got to choose. So right now I've been choosing to paint. Um, yeah. I have like a whole nother album worth of material just kind of recorded and sitting on the back burner to finish up. Um, and so eventually I'll go back to that, but, um, yeah, music is what I do when I have, um, kind of a brain freeze with, with, uh, the painting, you know, yes. kind of loosens me up a little bit, but it's, it's very bouncy and kind of like 311-ish or, Oh, 311. You know, yeah. I never even yeah. thought of that. Yes. Because I grew up, I was really into ska. And yeah, I don't know me, if I, I was like, in a ska band when I was it. young. No. Loved ska. What was your band? Loved stop it. it. The Sandpipers. Oh my gosh. My, that's amazing. Was the ska band. It was sweet. Wow. You May know. I ask you how old you are? I'm 41. So I wonder if I'm we were. 38. Oh my gosh. So I was like. I was obsessed with ska, like, and I would, I had this little zine band called Skankin' uh -huh. Ladybug. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I would interview these bands, like local bands, but like I would get in like backstage, like so different than these days. It's so wild. Yeah. But like, it was such a, such a cool moment. And ska was it like the was. vibe it then. Was. It was so cool. But yeah, I don't know Lost why. Tones, so, all those like, guys. Yeah. I feel like the reggae vibes and I feel like, um, I, I just, I like it a lot. It makes me really happy. That's the I, point. I love it so much. Yeah. Thank Feeling you so good. much for that gift. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Ben, for being here. And it was really fun to talk with you. I'm really glad we had time to do it. And before we go, I just wanted to also say um, we're both parents and I, and I adore your wife. She's lovely and great. You know, I just love the way you also um, incorporate them into your work as well, because I think that's something it's not like, you know, you don't have to have children to feel a longing to be connected to culture, but I think it certainly helped kicked me in the ass to make sure that my kids didn't ever feel that lack of belonging. So I wanted to thank you for also sharing that um, personal side of your life as well. And um, we just really enjoy your family so much when we get to see them. So it's been so much fun talking to you, Ben. Thank you so much for sitting down today. Yep, it's been a really fun time. Me. And I can't wait to see you at the uh, the opening. That'll be really fun to see everybody again. Indeed. And I'll wear my sunglasses the whole time, be the cool guy in the corner, not talking to anybody. <laughs> I'm just going to come with like a rabbit mask on. Like nobody yeah. knows who I am. I'm yeah, so, exactly. I, I, I've really enjoyed this time inside and like introspection time and like not dealing with anyone else. It's I like, really, do we have to go, we got to do, do we stuff have again? to? Like, is uh. this like necessary? Cause I like feel so, I feel like, you know, it's funny. It feels like you're in middle school again for me. I'm just like, oh my God, like I have to talk to these people right now. Like, what am I going to say? Like, it's so funny how, how, easily I got out of like, um, commission with that. Cause it's almost like you have to exercise that when you're, when you are an introvert, you have to keep exercising that muscle of talking to others. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I love, I love interacting, <laughs> but then when you Me get too. back home, it's like, all right, I need like five days to not literally. See And the children don't understand. And I'm like, can you just get on board with this? Like, please don't touch me. Please don't speak with me. I will cook you all the things and be around you, but please don't talk to me. I'm just kidding. Of course, my children. Recharging the batteries. My children are great, but they're extroverts. So it's very interesting. There you go. There you go. All right, Ben. Well, thank you so much. And max gut. Max gut, Rachel. (laughs) 